Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today is multi-award-winning actress Katleko Danke. Katleko, you have had an extensive acting career traversing across television and theater. You've acted in household television soapies like Issy Dingo, Seven Delan, as well as backstage. And some of your theater roles have included Beyond the Veil, House of Columba, and King Lear, to, to mention a few. Yeah. Having walked this journey, can you take us through some of the landmarks in your career? I think some of the the biggest landmarks would be coming as a young person, a young black woman onto um, the entertainment scene um, very, very early on in my career. I think I just literally graduated when I started my career. And, And when I came onto the scene, there was just so much upheaval. There was so much going on. There were shows being canned and cancelled left, right, and center. Um, there was a need for different kind of content. So for me, just, just getting into the industry at that time was one of the milestones that I remember very clearly having to temper myself into the mood and temper myself into what was happening um, and try and chart a path that would make sense for me um in the roles that I would take on in what I decided was important work to do within the space and the industry and how I would go about that. So so it's been quite a blessed journey, I have to admit. Um and and a and a great learning curve as well in terms of all the challenges that I've faced. But but it's been it's been a great one. It's been an enjoyable journey so far. The other milestone I think was also just being thrust into sort of a lead role quite early on in my in my life, in my career, um, and having to take that responsibility on from a young age as to how okay, how do we navigate that? What does that exactly mean? Um, and that has also just been, you know, one of the things that has that has shaped me as an individual as to trying to figure out, okay, what do I stand for? What do I want to do? How do I want to shape my life and go forward? So, so those milestones have been quite important in the way that I have I have navigated this career. Those periods where we sink or swim are often very defining and usually massive growth curves. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Reflecting back, what would you say have been some of the most memorable characters you've played or or admired? The, f- the first one being the very first character that I played professionally, which was Keke Zwan backstage. Because she was a multiple personality disorder, uh, you know, she suffered from NPD. It was quite challenging to, as to how to play her. You had to play her with all um, her personalities. You had to play her in all seriousness so that at no point must the audience write her off. At no point must the audience just say, uh, you know, she's just a crazy woman. Um, we're not going to listen to anything she has to say. So it became quite important to to set her tone um, quite right, just to get the audience in on her journey and rooting for her every step of the way, even though she was doing the most bizarre of things. Um, so so that one of the characters that was quite impactful, I would say, was, was Gegezo. 
And then the next one that I I kind of admired, it was her tenacity. Um, that would be Kutalo at Isidengo. She was she was you know operating within a male dominated field um, within the mining industry, mining and engineering, and she was actually quite successful in that field. And the way she went about it, how she stood up for herself and other women. Um, taking no nonsense from anybody, I think, taught me a lot in terms of what women could do for themselves, uh, what women could do for other women, most especially, especially when they're in positions of power. I think she taught me a lot about that and, and, and how to just be a woman that could stand up to be noted in society. Um, and and that was that was quite an impactful character, if I think back to her. It's so interesting when you when you talk about the character that you played in Isidengo's being in a male-dominated environment and being a woman in power and being able to utilize it, but also that you don't just take away from it as being a, a character that's displayed on on the soapbox, but as a character with you know we're looking at this as a character who is is fictional, but. Mm she's got real qualities which can be materialized in, in real day-to-day life. Oh, absolutely. You see, the, the way that I've always approached my career is that it has to educate. Um, I don't see my career as, as purely entertainment. I see it as, as educative. I see it as an opportunity for either, you know, displaying something that somebody can learn from or displaying something that reflects something back to the audience that where they then can say, oh, my goodness, um, there's a different way of approaching a challenge that I've got in my life, or perhaps that's me and, and perhaps that's not how I should approach my life anymore. Maybe from this point onwards, um, if I want a different outcome, I should then follow this character's advice. So so for me, it's always been very important to see it as such because we've got media so powerful. It is so powerful. It is in everybody's living rooms, in our lives. Um, it's in our bedrooms, you know, if you've got a TV in the bedroom. So it's very, very powerful. It's subliminal messaging that gets into our heads. And I think, you know, used correctly, we can actually um, heal a lot of people. We can educate a lot of people. There's a lot of ills in society, I think, that can be corrected through the correct use of medium. So so for me, it's always been a, a, a thing of what can I learn from the characters, um, but more importantly as well, what lessons am I putting forward to everybody else using this character? That's quite a responsibility when you take on that perspective because it's not only about portraying someone and and, and paying the salary, but it's also what that character does on a larger scale to the millions of people that are watching her. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we, we, we all have to be responsible, I think, for everything that we put out. Um, and when I say put out, I mean outside of yourself. So anything that, that emanates from you, I think, is a responsibility, whether it's the way you speak to people and engage with them, whether it's the way you, um, the, 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 the things that you do for other people, um, whether it's the work that you put out from inside of yourself. It, it's always a, a big responsibility to make sure that it impacts correctly. So I think we all, whatever, in, in our little ways, in whatever industries we're involved with, in whatever jobs um, we have in our lives, um, whatever interactions we have, whatever responsibility, whatever relationships we've got, we've got a responsibility to make sure that 
we are all sort of being on the same page in terms of what we want society to be. Um, so it is. It's a great responsibility, but I think we all we all should be on the same on the same boat in terms of that. And I would also imagine then that women's representation is a factor that influences your choice of roles. Oh, heavily so, heavily so. The the especially the last few characters I think that I've chosen to play, I've chosen them quite deliberately. I've I've agreed to play them because I felt that the story needed to be told. Hotalo um, stands out as the, as the biggest example of that because I felt that represented strong black females um, that are, that were successful, that were doing well, that were not sort of you know um, giving giving it up to men for anything, any responsibility in their life. They were actually independent, doing things for themselves, and 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 you know being amazing. Um, and I think that narrative is very, very important for the young black girl child to be able to see herself maybe in the future and say, well, you know, perhaps that's in my future. That's what I would love to become. Or even if it's just on a small, oh, well, there's successful black females out there and I could be a successful black female, even if it's in a different space in the world. But I felt that those were important stories to tell. The same with Tati on Gomorrah. You know, she, she you know, loses everything uh, at first. And she seems to be floundering. She seems to be this very weak woman who's, who's going up against everything in life. And she finds her strength. And she finds and it's that journey of finding uh, uh, your, your strength, your feet, your voice, your independence, um, who you are in the world, outside of everybody else that I think is an essential story to tell uh, young people, particularly at this time. I mean, we're going through an unprecedented time. We're going through some of, <laughs> you know, we, this is going to go down in the history books. So, so I think with everything that's going on, we need to be able to show um, people, particularly young people, how to pull themselves together and that all is not lost. You can still find, salvage something you can still find your feet, you can still find your path in life, you can still, you know, achieve great things and move on. So so for me, you know, choosing the roles has also been a very important task. But the last few women I think I've chosen, particularly because I wanted those stories to be told. And they're important stories to tell, and it actually reflects off of the Gina Davis Institute on Gender in the Media, whose tagline is, if she can see it, she can be it. Mm. Mm. Oh, absolutely. It, it also epitomizes, last week we had a conversation with the portfolio chairperson of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, Faith Mutambi, and she was speaking about the fact that she's doing a lot of work within rural environments. And that young people, especially girls and young women, just aren't exposed to enough media, to enough knowledge outside of their immediate domain. Mm. And if you don't have these types of stories coming through, you can never really have an aspiration or an ideal of knowing what is possible or, or potentially something that you could do. Absolutely. I think representation is is, is greatly important um, in, in how we raise young people. And the more 
we can actually expose them to to seeing themselves later on in life, they're seeing their future, seeing the possibilities that they are, and there's countless, um, then I think we'll, we'll be doing our future generations a, a great service. Um, but we need to we need to be able to do more because I think there are a lot of young people that are falling within the cracks and they are not getting the messaging. They are not getting um, upliftment. They are not getting some sort of dream put in their head that actually it's possible and you can make it. And other people have done it before you and this is what it looks like to make it. So it's it's always been um, one of, it's actually been one of my mantras to just, you know, be able to, to tell the black child, the young black child that you can make it, but particularly the young girl child. Well, we are very passionate about women and young girls on our show in terms of progressing with their developments. You are listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, the African Perspective, on frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band, also available on DSTV Channel 802. Today, we're talking to award-winning, multi-talented South African actress, Katleko Danke. In our previous conversation, we focused a lot on her representation of women in the terms of the roles that she undertakes in order that we've got a progressive narrative which looks at the complexities that women are exposed to and possible life journeys and career opportunities. Katleko, part of your attributes and success have stemmed from the fact that you have really honed your skill and, and honed your craft. You hold a Bachelor of Arts degree in theater and performance, as well as gender studies, which you attained from the University of Cape Town. How would you say your studies have, have helped and contributed towards your career? Oh, my studies have helped a great deal um, in my career. Firstly, it's a good foundation. That, that, I think I should say right off the bat, it's a fantastic foundation to be able to understand what the career holds, what the demands of the career will be, and how to map your way going forward. So, you know, it would always be the advice to young people that, you know, get yourself skilled up, get yourself educated on the specific career that you want to undertake, get yourself knowledgeable. Because it helps a lot. There's a lot of challenges that come along the way when you are now within the career and navigating it. And in order to be able to be successful as you navigate those challenges, you fall back on that education. You fall back on that foundation that you built so many years ago. And, and some of that training just, just kicks in almost you know, without you having to think about it or without you having to, to search for it. Um, and I've been I've been greatly grateful that my parents, you know, insisted. They said to me, "You can do whatever it is you want to do on earth as long as you study for it." They're like, "That's that's the, our only prerequisite. You have to go to a university. You have to go well to a tertiary institution, uh, but you have to take it further, and 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 be clued up on it before you get into the career." So it has helped me a lot, you know, in the way that I navigate my career. I'm able to actually even identify people who, who've had similar training and they've had more longevity in their careers than people who haven't. And that's why I always say to people, please, please, please 
go go and study your craft. Go and just get more information about it. Just go and get knowledgeable because it will also help you to have longevity within the, within the industry, within the career. Understand what's required of you. Understand how to maximize on it. Um, and understand just, you know, what the daily requirements of just being an actor are. Um, and it's, it's, it's one of the things that I think are just essential for anybody. It helps you also take a view of the entire value chain and I would say different, different facets. For instance, when I've looked at your bio, apart from the, and, and I would almost call it the, the, the pure acting elements of, yes. of being on the stage and being on, the, on TV screen playing particular characters, but you've also diversified into advertising, to being brand ambassadors for different companies, to uh, uh, representing and calling out the lotto numbers. Yeah. It, it does give you a holistic point of view in terms of you as an individual um, going about a career. So, so the nice thing about being an actor is that you don't have to be one-dimensional. You, you get to dabble into the commercials. You get to dabble into being a brand ambassador. But those skills, for them to be underpinned and for you to be able to be successful in those, in those fields, I would say I've also drawn back on my education to a large extent. So a lot of it, you know, has given me the confidence to actually operate within those other fields without having to feel like I need to actually maybe study further or, um, you know, feeling out of my depth. So I would, I would definitely say it's, it's, it's gone a long way to, to helping me um, become more of a, of a holistic actor, I would say. When we spoke earlier, you mentioned that there have been challenges to the career. What would you say have been some of the challenges that you've experienced? And looking at this in particular from a woman's point of view, because in some sectors of industry, women are paid less than their male counterparts. They are stereotyped into particular roles or, or positions, and they have got less ability to move ahead and, and up the career hierarchy. Oh, absolutely. And I think the entertainment industry is rather skewed in that sense. Um, we're a little bit late on the uptake, even though there's a, there's a bit more um, focus on it now in this, in this day and age. Particularly for Gomorrah, when I took Gomorrah on, DSTV had actually put uh, a very, very stern uh, note to the producers to say, we're going to uplift women with this particular production. And the way in which that they've done that is that all the lead characters are female and they all have to be strong black female leads. Brilliant. So I think, you know, this is, this is an incredible step towards um, women emancipation within that space. Um, and just understanding what, what women contribute in that space because for a long time, we have been marginalized in terms of the kind of characters we play. We have been marginalized in terms of the pay, like you said earlier. Um, we've been earning far less than our male counterparts, even though sometimes in certain sets, you would be doing more, the, more of the work, which is a situation I found myself in on Generations, for example. So I would be lumped with all the work because all the ARs are saying, okay, this particular character, the audience is responding to it very well. 
But, you know, the person who's getting paid more is the five male characters that come above me. Um, so it's always been a case that we've got to fight that within the space. But, but I like the fact that that conversation types, has been opened. Uh, sorry. When you look at those types of metrics, it, it's completely quantitative, definitely showing the strength of, for instance, the character that you were playing and the ratings that, that she was drawing in for the yeah. greater good of the production. Yeah. But yet you were doing all the work and you weren't getting the financial credit. Oh, no. <laughs> That's all. And, and because as well, the industry seems to be quite skewed in terms of in favor of men, even on the production side. So you'll find that most producers are male. So they don't see anything wrong with the status quo, and they're not about to fight any fight for any female. Um, it's only now in recent times, I think, DSTV, like I said, have corrected that imbalance. They've put more female commissioning editors. They've put more female producers onto sets. So obviously now the needs and the rights of females is now being looked at in quite a different light from what it was all the way through the years. So it's quite a refreshing way um, of operating in the space now. I find that after 19 years of being in the space, I finally feel that, okay, as a female, there's certain things that I can say. You know, I became a, a mom maybe five years ago and becoming a mother in a space that's quite skewed towards men was quite challenging. So having to explain to, to you know, a floor manager or production manager that, by the way, I need to actually, I breastfeed and therefore I need to express, and that cannot be done in a toilet, was one of the, you know, was a, quite a challenging conversation to have. And, and it received a lot of, of backlash in terms of, but you should just, Come here, do your scenes, and go home. You'll deal with your baby when you get home. You know, so I having those, to, um, you know, those conversations was yeah. a little bit challenging. <laughs> Susan Shabungo, when she was Minister of Women, was on the program, and we were we were talking about breastfeeding, and she said, "I don't tell you to go to the toilet and have your lunch." Absolutely. And that's what you're telling me to do with my child. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it's on those grounds that I, I actually put my foot down and I was like, well, you will find a, a suitable place for me to be able to express. Uh, secondly, you will give me the time because I need time. Breastfeeding and, and expressing takes time. It doesn't mean it can be done in like two seconds. <laughs> so, so there's also an acknowledgement in terms of the way that you schedule me that needs to acknowledge the fact that I need that time set aside. That's not work time. That's completely separate. Um, and it's not my eating time either. I need time to eat and then I need time to express two totally different functions. Yes. So, so, but having those conversations, I think they're happening a lot more these days. Um, and I think because now we've got more females within the space and it's particularly in positions of power, we can have those discussions easier. It, it goes back to you know having this narrative of, of storytelling. These are, are lived experiences, and when these women are in positions of power, they know what other women are going through. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But not just to remember what you've what you've been through personally, but to be able to say, okay, the experience of the next person must be different. Of, of course, of yeah. course, and that, yeah. that's that the learning. There's a learning curve for, for absolutely, absolutely. You mentioned Gamora, and you, you spoke about 
female leads. But also what I think is very interesting is given the times that we're living through of COVID-19, that must have a massive impact in terms of how you execute your creativity and, and performances. Oh, yes. We, we've had a bit of demand in terms of, you know, from channel um, to obviously adhere to the regulations that government has put. And we, we want to be on board 100% in terms of that. That is not the issue. The problem is now you've written stories well in advance, and these stories now have to be twisted and tweaked um, and changed, sometimes completely uh, change the direction of the story just so that we can adhere to the regulation. So, for example, you know, the crowd scenes, for example, are not going to happen anymore. Um, any shoot that's done outside must actually be justified that it has to happen outside of the studio. If not, then it must happen within the studio walls where it is a controlled environment. We all come in, we all wear masks, we sanitize, we get our temperature checked and get screened and all of that. So it has changed the way we do business quite, quite uh, heavily. But I think it hasn't stopped the creativity in any sense. We just have to find different ways to express that creativity that doesn't stop the magic from happening. And will you start seeing COVID-19 being brought into storylines as a part of everyday life? So I think that would be quite an executive decision in terms of whether or not we want to reflect the times that are that we're operating in or whether we're going to say, okay, this is a suspended belief situation where, you know, we've got an imaginary place that these characters operate in. Yes, in certain aspects, we'll root them into being in South Africa or being a South African woman, but we're not going to say it's happening in this particular time and era. We would like to just suspend that belief um, for the moment while we tell the story. So, and I think, Gamora, for us, we've taken that decision of just suspending that belief because I think it'd be quite difficult to shoot completely within a COVID era. Um, we, we operate with our faces, do you know what I mean? We, we tell stories as, as, as artists, as performers with our faces. Yes, the ninja masks wouldn't so, do much for expression. Exactly, exactly. So, so a mask would definitely be very prohibitive in terms of telling that story. Um, but also, everybody would have to wear masks. Everybody would then have to social distance. And how do we tell stories of pain, of, of um, emotional closeness, of people who fall in love, of people who... Um, you know, are angry with one another, actually, slapping each other or fighting or whatever the case might be. But how do we tell those stories in a way that is COVID-friendly? So, so it becomes quite a challenge in that regard. Um, my hat's off to any production that has taken on that challenge. But I think, I think it's easier to actually suspend belief rather than go down that route. It, it's probably more comforting from an audience's point of view as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because then they get to have their escape into what would have been a normal world. Mm -hmm. They then say, okay, fine. Uh, you know, I might be living through this time and era of COVID now, but, you know, maybe I've got something to look forward to after this era. I'll put ends in inverted commas because I don't think it will ever end. I think it, it has adjusted our lives and the way we know life for, forever. I don't think it will ever go back to what we, what we deemed as normal. I think you're right there. Uh, it will will be incorporated. 
Uh, but you know, congratulations that the show is moving ahead and that you are able to produce in these difficult and unusual times. Oh, thank you, thank you. It's it's been quite challenging, but yeah, we're we're striving, we're moving along. One of the other things that I noted in your bio, and it seems to link in with your gender studies, is that you're also a motivational speaker for the ANC Women's League as well as Sonka Gender Justice. And it also seems as though these are part of your your efforts and expressions of, of being able to give back. Oh yes. Um, look, gender studies I took as one as my other major adversity, purely because it's something that has been a constant in my life that I've been passionate about, that I feel very strongly about, and one of the social ills that I think I would like to participate in correcting. So my work with the Sonke Gender Justice, my work with the ANC Women's League, although brief at the time, you know, it helped a lot in, in shaping what I would like as, as my give back, like you said, you know, my give back to society and how I'd like to participate within society to be able to change certain narratives about women, about uh, girl children, um, how we are seen, how we operate, um, and how we are helped or not helped, as the case might be, to to reach our full potential. So those spaces have been very, very important. And we've done some some incredible work, particularly with the Songke Gender Justice, um, because for me, there's always been this very heavy emphasis on women. We speak to women a lot. We, we empower women a lot. We engage women. Um, but we do not engage the men. And unfortunately, or fortunately, as part of a society, we all have to hold hands and, and get through this together and build together. And in order to do that, we've got to acknowledge that the men have a role in this in the story, in building, um, and we cannot ignore them. So so for me, that, that was important in engaging it in myself, in the way that I've been engaging gender studies and, and, and gender work within the space that I needed to acknowledge that we need to include the men. We need to hear them out. We need to hear what their struggles are. Um, why, why are things the way that they are in terms of what the men have contributed? And how can we change that? How do we empower them to be able to help to build the society we all want? Because it would be a different world if you think of people in power and you know, using your industry, for instance, of now having more women on the production side, before it was very male biased, that they, they didn't have a clue, they didn't have any perspective of what women's needs were. That was that was their lens, that was their narrative and the way they looked at the world. Oh absolutely. So so it's 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 very important to be able to hear from women. And I think the the platform that they've been given now is going to help a lot in terms of the kind of stories we're going to see on the screen, the kind of stories we're going to be able to enjoy as an audience. For the longest time, these stories have been told from a male perspective. For the longest time, we've been seeing women go through what we think is normal life, but it's only being seen from a male perspective, and therefore, it's not being fully expressed in its in its truth, in its reality. No, it's so a, the, it's one it's one lens. Exactly, exactly, completely skewed, completely skewed. Um, you know, for example, the breastfeeding story. I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to find any female on screen that has had a breastfeeding story. Not one. <laughs> I can't even think of one. Any movie or, or, 
or drama that I've seen that has addressed that. So it's, it's stories like that that I think are authentic, that are real, and it's what women are going through on a daily basis, and, and it actually highlights areas that we need to grow as a society. So if those things are not being seen in the stories, if they're not being reflected on screen and being dealt with quite truthfully um, and robustly in our TV, uh, our TV stories or films, then we're going to have a bit of a problem because we won't be able to address the things that we need to address in order for us to, to correct the ills within society. So it's, it's actually a good thing. It's, it's an amazing thing that's happening within the DSTV. I think they took the plunge, um, and I really want to commend them for that because it's the first time I've ever gotten on a set that placed women, women's progress as important as one of the things that they wanted to advance. And it sounds like you're achieving that progress on a number of fronts, on, on the screen and behind the scenes. Oh, absolutely. No, they're doing everything in their power, and it's really, really commendable. We are unfortunately coming towards the end of the show. But whilst we've still got some time, one of the questions I ask everyone who's made successful achievements in their respective fields of expertise is about some of the factors that they feel have contributed to their success. For instance, some people speak about a person or uh, hard work or um, perseverance. What would you say have been some of the factors that have contributed to your success? I think one of the main factors is my, my, my sort of promise to myself to sort of get to know myself more. Um, I, it's always a departure point when I do my motivational speaking to say, you cannot achieve anything until you know yourself, until you are so intimate with the knowledge of yourself that you engage the world based on that knowledge. Because otherwise, then you're going to take on anything from external and impose it on yourself internally. And, and that is what, it's like the kiss of death as far as I'm concerned. So, so it's always important to just ground yourself in your knowledge of yourself. Who are you? What is it you want? How far you want to go in life? What do you want to achieve? What do you want to, what do you see for yourself? What's your vision? And when you explore that for yourself, you're able to operate in your space, whatever the space might be, quite authentically and quite powerfully and uniquely because they can never be a copy of you. You can only be the best you that you can be. So, so when you know yourself, you're operating from a position of power. And that, for me, is, is the only way that you can achieve success in this life. That's very motivating. And finally, as we close out today, Monday the 25th celebrates Africa Day. We are going through a bit of an unusual period with COVID-19. Uh, could you share a few words that you'd like to pass on to girls and women in Africa that are, are listening to the show in honor and, and celebration of Africa Day? I think my my takeaway from Africa Day would be we need to be able to hold hands, um, come together, stand and speak as one. For the longest time, we've been fractured, and particularly I speak from a South African perspective because I think as South Africans, we, we tend to be um, quite removed from the rest of Africa. We think of ourselves in terms of, okay, we're, we're external to Africa. Africa's over there, and we are quite different from them. 
And it's, it's dangerous in the sense that, you know, the unity that we can have, the unity that we can foster, there's power in that. And we're able to build on that as an African nation. So to be proudly African, I think, is one of the things that we need to strive for as African countries. Um, and I would say, even in, in a small way, you know, for ourselves as, as women, as girls, to be able to acknowledge your Africanness, I think, is so important, is so empowering for yourself because it, it acknowledges a part of yourself that is so genuine, so authentic, um, and it's different, and it grounds you within the African soil like nothing else can. So I would say, you know, just, just touch base, touch base with that side of yourself that is African, that, that speaks to you, that says to you that you are proudly African. You're right. These are roots. There is tremendous power in unity. And in this world where we kind of stand alone, but together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure to host you and hear about your insights, both in terms of your career, the developments that are happening for yourself, as well as for other women across the entire value chain, and the ripple effect that it has on audiences nationwide, continental-wide, worldwide. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to award-winning, multi-talented South African actress, Katleko Dunker. <laughs>